When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger 2 podcast. This is going to be like the last regular episode of 2022, sort of, because next week we only have to do the uh, recapping, no no previewing. Uh, This time we still get to uh, talk about four events, preview another two, but we're going to start with something else. There's been a retirement announcement, sort of, right? Of sorts, yes. Uh, So during the Slovak Tennis Player of the Year Awards, uh, Lukáš Lacko has announced that he is more or less done with tennis. He said that he will uh, most likely play some league matches and some, and some exhibitions next, year, next season. Uh, but where, with his ranking where it's at, uh, he doesn't feel like he can really compete anymore. He's been struggling with a shoulder injury for like the past year, pretty much the whole season. It was plaguing him, it was preventing him from really ramping up into, into a full preparation um, and then that resulted in him playing very few matches. So he is pretty much done. He hinted that he will most likely go into coaching to try and pass on some of his uh, great experience. Of course, he is a very experienced player, made top 50 back in 2013, um, made two finals on the ATP Tour back in Zagreb 2012 and then Eastbourne 2018, 14 challenger titles. Uh, yeah, how will you remember Lukas Lotsko? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, most of, I guess that that's the case for most people. I mean, the, the, the recent memories we have with Lukas Lachko are just him, you know, losing in every, every first round, uh, barely moving on the court, which obviously mm-hmm. wasn't the case back in the day, but he was always uh, so dangerous whenever the court was fast, slick grass indoor hard courts carpet that was that was what he loved of course 14 challenger titles which is pretty crazy uh you know won that won his first one in 2007 his last one in 2021 that mallorca run last year that that came completely out mm-hmm. of nowhere um yeah uh even two atp tour finals which honestly if you've only been watching tennis for like the past uh, five years or so might really catch you off guard one of them was in 2018, though. But still, you know, Lachko hasn't really been maybe producing these results constantly, consistently. But you know, he uh, he was at some point a top 50 player, like a very decent top 50 guy. So um, sure, that's definitely a memorable character. Uh, earlier in the year, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but I, I remember hearing from another player that uh, who, who simply talked to him that Lachko is now training like three times a week only. So it makes sense that he's retiring, that he, you know, he was just playing his last tournaments or next to last, because as he said, it's not definitive. But I think when we saw that he didn't even play qualies in Bratislava or something like that, like that was, uh, that was a big, um, 
tell that perhaps something isn't right with his health as well, because that, that seemed like just the perfect event for him to, to say goodbye in. And just glancing at his records right now, I have to say that he made the US Open first round nine years in a row and lost first round every time. I wonder if that's like some sort of a record. Because I, I, I don't think I've ever seen this, you know, just when, when you have these Grand Slam results on Wikipedia and and it, there's round one and nine consecutive seasons uh, in the brackets. I, I don't think I've ever seen this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it was a record. Uh, he, he did have a couple of nice runs at, at other slams. Uh, yeah, Australia, Australia, Wimbledon, yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, US Open, it doesn't seem like it was his bag at all. Just <laughs> nice straight first round. Uh, that's pretty wild. I actually didn't realize that uh, that he held that streak. But yeah, for for a long time he was he was a like a, you know a player who who sort of hung on at the, at the main tour level uh, and then um, played a lot of sort of uh, Asian challengers during the clay season because he he always hated clay. He was a very long play. Um, but yeah, so so this player who who was in between the the two tours for I would say most of his career. Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's a shame that, that he's he's not going to be a president anymore. Yeah, right. uh, and you also have a lot of memories from from watching him live, right? In 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 Bratislava. Yeah, I, I've watched him live many many times. He, it was one of my first matches that I watched live. Was the twenty eleven. Slovak Open final where he defeated uh, Berankis, uh, and then of course watched him when I was a bulk there, and just and overall it was it was an interesting experience. Yeah, I think I watched him live once, although it could have been more. Uh, definitely in Ostrava this year, but well, you know, Lashko and Clay in 2022 that that wasn't really a pleasant sight, so it was a bit funny. Uh, he he lost to Fairness one six one six. Of course, even Fairness ended up winning the title. So, in hindsight, it definitely doesn't look as bad as it did when I when I watched him on the third court, where just like you know, three people could watch uh, behind the fence. So it was a it was a quite an experience for you know watching a guy who was once once in the top fifty. Uh, other than that, probably not. But uh, he, I'm assuming that you know he can still play league tennis or something. This year he played uh, the in the Polish league a lot, so there there is for sure a possibility that I will catch some Lukas Lachko match in the future. Yeah, and I think with that we can move on to actual challenger tennis that we have. Uh, we we should start in Temuco probably. That was the the biggest event. Uh, and definitely, I, I would say, I would say most likely the most shocking winner was Guido Andreozzi coming out of qualifying to defeat Nicolas Kiker in the final. I believe he now becomes the lowest ranked challenger uh, title um, titleist champion. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I I think there is an error on the ATP website. Uh, I mean, on the media guide or wherever. Uh, because it says that since to, since the year 2000, I think the stat of the official stat is there. I'm not sure what happened before the year 2000, uh, but their uh, streaker was the record record holder. And uh, yesterday yeah. I saw I saw um, I, I saw it on Twitter that someone said he was the rough, uh, that he Andreozzi was the lowest ranked uh, player to win a challenger title since Guillermo Cañas in 2006. And I did the, the uh, you know, I checked it. And apparently Kanyas was unranked when he won Belem in 2006. Uh, I okay. think Kanyas had like a ban or something like that, didn't he? 
maybe 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 a doping suspension or something like that uh i i don't wanna you know uh sure <laughs> i'm checking it now because i don't wanna yeah he he had a doping ban and he wasn't playing for over over a year um and yeah and he was actually acquitted of deliberate performance enhancement but still you know he he missed some time because of uh mm-hmm. yeah he was just considered careless in not checking the medicine so he like he wasn't doping but you know he still got a suspension and he came back after over a year and instantly won a challenger in Belém. so he was actually unranked in 2006 when he won a challenger so uh at least since the year 2000 Androtzi is the second lowest ranked winner at 901 yeah yeah he was number 901 in the rankings coming into it um his first title since November 2018 in singles, that is. Uh, I think this was only his fifth professional singles event that he played. He played some uh, Bundesliga or something. Yeah, this year, this uh, year, yeah. He, but, but he won seven uh, doubles titles on the Challenger Tour. So he, he was essentially just a Challenger double specialist going into this. Uh, but he started in qualifying, defeated Fernandez Moreno, defeated Alves as well. Then in the main draw, he started with a couple of very strong wins over Mena, 6-2 in the third, Tirante, 6-4 in the third, defeated Otegi, 6-1-6-1. Then the win that I think impressed me the most, he defeated Emilio Gomez from 3-6-3-5 down to win 6-1 in the third, uh, which is pretty wild. Moves up over 500 and uh, moves up 506 spots in the rankings to number 395. What did you think of Andreozzi and this this wild run? Um, I've got him at 396, but that, uh, no, no, that doesn't really matter, I guess. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, of course we knew he can play. Even when he played these challengers earlier in the year, he looked pretty competitive. Especially, I'm talking about the the June ones where he came back. And I don't think either of us expected him to go that route, just playing doubles. Of course, he was yeah. absolutely excellent. He, he's he been absolutely excellent because he also won in Temuco with Duran. Uh, and uh, I guess in the, in that sense, maybe it makes sense, but still to win seven matches in a row also beats the you know some of the most dangerous title contenders, especially Gomez, but even Kikar, Tirante, Mena. These are all guys whom you know if we were to name like the top ten contenders for Temuco, we probably would have to go with the, go with all of them. Uh, so that was pretty insane. Uh, I'm assuming that this will result in him playing a more singles-oriented schedule again in 2023 because he, well, he's shown us, but more, more, more importantly, he he also shown him he's also shown himself that he can still play this. Uh, as he said, the Gomez win is probably key. Of course, that was like the, the main favorite for the title, but you know. <sighs> It, it 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 does uh you know fall a bit on on Gomez probably especially mentally after losing that uh game you know where Gomez was five four up serving for the match 15 15 or 15 love up and then uh he was a mess since then uh but you know still a still a huge run for Andreotti uh as I said of course we know he can do it but that the fact just just you know coming out of just playing dub pretty much playing doubles most of the year and winning seven matches in a row against you know if we're looking at the draw in Temuco of course it was poor of course there were just only clay specialists on hard courts most of the time but Andreotti got like almost the worst of it and of course he's not a hard court player either he had a couple of decent runs on hard courts in the in the past but you know, just his second pro title. And the only other one was an ITF in 2011. So that's how huge it is. Yeah, very, very impressive. 
As for Nicolas Kicker, it was his 11th challenge of final, third one this season. Uh, on his run, he, he defeated Nicolas Alvarez, Joao Reixa Silva, uh, Facundo Bagni, 6 love 6 2. Uh, don't know what happened there. And then beat Mejia in the semis before losing to Anderozzi. Moves at 20 spots, number 181. Any thoughts on here? Uh, yeah, Bagnis was an absolute, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Bagnis performance like that, honestly. Uh, Kicker didn't need to do much to win that much. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Kicker seems to have, uh, improved on hardcourt since the, since his comeback. I don't know if he may be trained on, on these courts in the meantime. It, I think it's probably possible, but in 2021, he won a couple of 25Ks on hardcourts, despite at that point having like 15 matches and, uh, Thirty-three uh, percent win rate in hard courts, uh, you know, in his in his career prior to his match fixing suspension, uh, and yeah, it, it shows definitely. I don't think he's gonna do it in um, any bigger events, but you know, last year we had this one-off event on hard in South America and Rio. He made the semis. Here again, he just shows that out of all the clay specialist crowd, he can definitely stand out. Uh, he doesn't, I, I don't think he really translates his game that much. He just sort of plays consistent tennis and it's enough for most of these guys. Uh, you know, could have won the final up, up until like 6-4, 1-1. It was, it was a, a very even match. Uh, but he never really had a chance after getting broken in the, in the second set. Yeah, we can move on to our semifinals. Emilio Gomez, uh, beat, uh, Paz. Fariat and Olivo, 6-2 in the third, his eighth challenger semifinal this season. Um, yeah, you 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 feel like he he could have done better in his in his semi against Andrelzi for sure, right? Yeah, this is a this is a this is a loss he can't afford, really. I mean he's at 107 in the live rankings right now. I'm not sure that that has any chance of changing for uh you know for the next edition of the ATP rankings, which will determine Australian Open uh main draw list. And yeah, if he beat Andreozzi, he would have had like been like almost guaranteed, even if there are many, even even if many PRs are coming. And right now, it's gonna be like you know, it's gonna come down to basically luck, whether he gets in or not. So he really shot himself in the foot there, and that's really all you all you can say about Gomez here. He wasn't playing well, I, I don't think, at any real point of the week. His hot streak that he had in the summer is probably gone, but. You know, still, th- this is an event you expect him to um, to win. You expect him to beat all these guys. And, well, Andreotti, of course, is a quality opponent if he can, you know, play. He was in the top 100 as well. Uh, so if he, like, lost to Andreotti in usual fashion, you know, just 6-4, 6-4, whatever, I don't think he would have been really b- too bummed. But, you know, having uh, the chance to serve for the match... Uh, one point up in that game as well. I think that that really needs to hurt. And yeah, we'll see if he gets into the Australian Open because it's not going to be clear. Yeah, I mean, no matter what happens with Gomez now, he will forever be a top 100 player. Uh, (laughs) uh, Our other semifinalist was Nicolas Mejia, who defeated Boruchaga 6-3-6-1, Locke 6-4-6-3, and then took up my pick, Nick Hart, 6-4 in the third. Any thoughts on Mejia here? Yeah, he's also one of the better hardcourters in the draw, right? I mean, he he actually plays on it like more or less the same as on clay. Even even recently, we saw him, um, you know, featuring in American hardcourt events, not doing much there, like at all. But you know, still, it shows what his priorities are. I think in recent 
Yeah, l- looking at it in like the the past few months, he's mostly played South America when it was at altitude, which is kind of interesting because Mejia doesn't really strike me as that the good a player in altitude, I guess. Uh, but yeah, even last year he had that uh, Salinas final, right? Orlando final. So that's actually yeah, hard courts mm-hmm. is where he had his best runs in 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 his pro career so far. So that's uh not quite uh yeah not that not that uh surprising that he made it to the semis beat hard and lock which you know both are very competent hard quarters as well especially hard whom, whom you picked yeah yeah and as we mentioned over in the doubles Androt and duran lifted the title once again their seventh of the season this time they defeated martinez and edun Chejian. We can move over to Valencia, which was the second biggest event, I believe, as a challenge yep. at 90, where we had Oleksii Krutich uh, lift the title, defeating Luka Van Asch 6-2, 6-love in the final. For Krutich, his second challenger title after winning Prague uh, earlier this season, I think that was a 50, though. So, so it's, uh, you know, bigger by a lot, <laughs> this title. Um, interesting run. He started with a 6-4 in the third win over uh, Bonadio. Took out Darderi in straight sets, came back from a set down against Pellegrino, and then again against Milovevic to beat him 7-5 in the third. The final was much easier, though. <laughs> just uh, dropped just the two games. Uh, he gets to move up 62 spots in the rankings, number 190, breaking the top 200. What did you think of Kruti this week, and how big was this week for him moving forward? <laughs> Pretty huge when you look at what he was doing since that Prague run. Because yeah. I, I I think he only won one main draw match on the Challenger Tour. Got through some qualifying, but, you know, other than that, not really doing much. Of course, he some of that was indoor hard, hard courts. That's not his best. But also on clay, he had a streak of losses. Um, Krumi, Lenz, you know, not something we would expect from him probably most of the time. Um, yeah, and, and, and this was pretty huge. Tough matches as well. Milojevic, Pellegrino, Bonadio, all in third, all in third sets. Uh, certainly, um, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's super shocking, but perhaps after the run that he had of late, uh, you know, that is just a bit unexpected. But of course, the guy can play. We've talked about his game many times. Um, and the demolition against Vanash, I, I, you know, I would give credit to Krutig at the same time saying that Vanash just didn't really know, give him any any chance to lose that match. But yeah, Krutig definitely made sure that there's like no comeback, comeback attempt at all. Uh, very cleanly winning all the rallies. He's got this uh, pretty great baseline game. It, it's not super powerful, but definitely has enough pop to, to dictate and... Uh, yeah, just blasted returns of Vanash's serve, which more players should feels like more players should be able to do. Uh, but you know, along the way, at least no one really, uh, no one really did that against the Frenchman. And yeah, Krutik just stood a bit far back and hit, hit, hit huge balls of anything that was coming at him. And, and it was way more than enough in the 58 minute final, I believe, which was a, a bit of a bummer. I mean, I, I was expecting a good fight there. Yeah, as for Vanash, it was his third challenger final. All of them have happened in the past two months with, with Lisbon and Brest. Previously there, he didn't really look to, he didn't really look up too much in the final either, but he, it was against stronger opposition with Czech Nato in Lisbon and Barrer in 
Brest. This was the first. He, he was actually a pretty strong favorite going to this one. Ended up winning just two games, though. On his run here, he got a couple of retirements to start from Coyarini uh, at, at 2 love in the second set, from Carbaez Baena at 1 1 in the second set. That was my pick. Uh, your pick withdrew before we even started with Zapataliais. <laughs> so this wasn't our, this wasn't our event uh, when it came to picking winners. Um, then he defeated Banco Cusano and took out Yamas Ruiz, uh, 6th in the 3rd. He still gets to move about 24 spots in the rankings, number 176. What did you think of Anash on this run? Yeah, pretty funky path with these two retirements. Baranko Cusano was also injured when they played. Uh, but I think there, there's still some positives coming out of this week for Vanash. He is showing a lot more um, just willingness to attack, close the net. Uh, it, it definitely isn't like you know his natural style. He is um, he tends to go away from it in the key moments, which is only fair because it's not what he feels most comfortable in. Uh, but yeah, it, it 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 has to be said that he has made some enormous progress in the past few months. Of course, he's made uh, he's now made three challenger finals in like two months, which is a pretty crazy achievement but this is the first uh championship match he will actually regret because you know Barrer, Cecchinato uh especially on their like respective best surfaces Barrera in indoor hardcourts in France because not even indoor hardcourts it's indoor hardcourts in France where he's best and Cecchinato on clay that that was something that you know he he can't really um have any regrets about you know that's you know, the, the guys were just too good on the day, especially. And yeah, and, and Krutik losing losing to Krutik in such fashion is is definitely the, the first one that Vanash really, you know, just screwed up something in because uh yeah, the other two weren't really uh, any any sort of an um disappointment for him or something. I wonder if that's you know if that was also related to some mental uh block or something. He he definitely was just fully out of sorts in the final it had no absolutely no chance of winning this one lost the last 10 games of the match mm. yeah we can move on to our semi-finalists starting with pablo yamas ruiz who began in qualifying with a 7-5 in the third win over kenidas heper um then got a retirement in the third set from esteve lobato in the main draw, he defeated Alvarez Varona, Zekic, and Lopez Mondagut to reach his first career challenge semifinal. It was also a setup on Vanash. Any thoughts on Yamas Ruiz here? Yeah, weird player. Huh? <laughs> I honestly don't. I'm totally not sure what to think of him. And it was the same in Braga, really. Uh, the guy, I don't know. Sometimes he just comes out and plays these shots. They have no pop on it, on and them. They have such long box wings, and it's. Um, it's it's hard to imagine how, why he's successful. And then against Van Asch, he actually played some insane tennis, was blasting the ball. Uh, I don't know. Since Braga, he only had a couple of ITFs, uh, played, uh, made second round in both, but actually lost to some very decent players, Droga and Lopez San Martin. I think both won three ITF titles this year. Uh, so so definitely not you know for that level they weren't any bad losses or whatever. Uh, and yeah, and then here, may, perhaps not the toughest road to victory. Alvarez Varona seemed very exhausted after coming over from the States. Uh, but but still against Vanash, especially, I think he played just... If if, if he was able to to maintain that level of intensity physically, uh, maybe he could have won it. Uh, but that was, that was definitely the best performance from him that I've seen so far. And 
very excited to see what he does with it because honestly the the runs have been you know they they both have felt pretty random like he could have easily lost in qualifying in both Valencia and Braga and yet he made uh, a quarterfinal then a semi-final yeah our other semi-finalist was the experienced Milojevic uh, reaching a second challenger semi-final of the season, beating Merida Aguilar, Sanchez Izquierdo, and Andreev in a wild match of Love 6, 6-4, 6-4. What did you think of Milojevic here? Yeah, pretty crazy that it's just his second semi-final of the season, but that, that's how much he's fallen this year, right? And uh, other than the Blois final, he hasn't had much to offer. In fact, other than the Blois final, he only had two other quarter finals, Lima and a main tour one in Cordoba, which is crazy, but he got in as a lucky loser into the second round, beat Echeverry and then lost to Londero. Londero was in the main tour semi. Jesus, that Cordoba event was weird. Anyway, uh, yeah, he maybe he snuck into Australian Open qualities. I mean, it, it's still unclear. He still has Maya, so maybe he can make up uh, some ground there as well. But that's that's what he's fighting for right now, which, you know, considering where he was even at the beginning of the season, I think he even made made it through the qualifying at the Australian Open. So yeah, comparing that, it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, he definitely has a lot to make up for because this season has been uh, horrible for him for for most of it. Over in the doubles, uh, Krutich uh, emulated Andreozzi and got the double here uh, alongside Oka Bataya, uh, defeating the Sabanov brothers. Is, uh, for him it was the sixth challenger uh, no sixth final overall one of them was an ATP final in Houston uh, this season for the Seven of Brothers but yeah Krutich and Roca Bataya the champions in Valencia we can head over to Andrea where we had Leandro Riedi defeat Michal Kukushkin to win his second challenger title back to back titles after last week 12 straight wins uh, since he won the last one out of qualifying on his run this week, he defeated Ugaston in two tie breaks to start, then took out Hase, Karlovski, Sachko before defeating Kukushkin in the final. Gets to move of 36 spots, number 161 in the rankings. What did you think of Riedi this week? Yeah, pretty much you could just, you know, play what I said last time, I think. <laughs> and it would still hold true. Uh, I, I would say he was even more, uh, like, less up and down this week. You know, especially not not losing a set, winning three tie breaks against Kukushkin and Gaston. Uh, yeah, drawing Hugo Gaston after winning a challenger title that seemed tough. But he, despite I think struggling a bit more uh, in the actual sets, he he won both tie breaks. Really ramped up the pace there. Yeah, he just can't really uh, can't miss at this point. <laughs> he was. Uh, you know, the, 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 he has a very inconsistent approach to the game, and yet he keeps hitting his combinations with so, such perfect execution. Uh, what can you really say? This is this is a fantastic breakthrough run. Uh, we'll see if he can do it on other surfaces because, again, that's like like last week. That that's a big question whether he can actually translate that to any court that's not indoors. Um, because so far in his pro career, he hasn't done it. And when you look at how he plays tennis, it makes a lot of sense. He really needs that sort of, you know, perfect conditions, not hampered by anything to, to execute it. It seems at least, uh, but if he can, if he can somehow, um, 
take that form, take that confidence to a, to a slower surface, still be successful, then I think that would raise his ceiling massively. And, and this could be a really, you know, a breakthrough of a start and, uh, 207, uh, 277 in the rankings two weeks ago, and now he's at 161. So he was like, um, you know, very far off Australian Open qualifying before Helsinki. And now he's gonna be in the top 200 basically until next year, at least until, until yeah, for the, for the next 12 months, he's probably gonna be, you know, in that Grand Slam qualifying range because he doesn't really have that much to defend throughout the year right other than lugano of course the, the final in uh in april yeah so so these two weeks account for uh 160 of his 360 points that he has in the ring Ex- exactly so, yeah huge, huge for him um our finalist was mikhail kupushkin in his 23rd challenger final his first one since march 2019 in phoenix uh, this week, he beat Poliak and Hertz before taking out our picks, your pick Rodionov first, and then my pick Fuchovic. Uh, all in straight sets uh, coming into the final. He gets to move up 31 spots, number 192. What did you think of Kukushkin this week? Yeah, probably his best run of the year, right? Uh, has to be. Um, yeah. It turns out that on an indoor court, you know, when he can <laughs> when he can play on a sleek surface, he's still super dangerous. Especially the match against Hertz, I think it was where uh, it just seemed like that the Belgian was never getting any ball inside his comfort zone, inside his hitting zone. Uh, you know, the, 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 you have to play off these lower bounces, and it's a nightmare. Uh, he also has a four-zero head-to-head against Fuchovic now. Interestingly, so then there also there there could be something. Uh, in there as well. Uh, most of these matches was, were, of course, back in the day. One of them was a third set tiebreaker, but the other, the other three were straight set victories. Um, and and yeah, maybe maybe that maybe that explains the win a bit. And certainly, along with Helsinki, um, the the quarterfinal he made last week from the qualifying, it feels like the strongest patch of play that Kukushkin has had all year. Although probably you know some of that is recency bias because I think at the beginning of the year he also wasn't wasn't really playing poorly or anything but uh but that's he he, mm-hmm. he, he, he did okay he had a nice run to the Australian Open yeah. main draw uh, Wimbledon main draw but uh, this is definitely the most consistent play that he's had uh, when I look at his results this season for yeah. sure and it's it's great to see because you know sometimes we forget how good these players are and yeah turns out that if you throw in Kukushkin on an indoor hardcore on grass as we had earlier this year even at the stage of his career he's just going to be a nightmare to play hmm. uh, as far as we finalists we've mentioned him Matan Fuchovic was one of them beating Phils, Peniston and Travalia 7-5 in the third uh, but ultimately losing to Kukushkin, ending his eight-win streak. Uh, any thoughts on Fuchovic here? Yeah, that was no Bratislava in terms of his level. Uh, I, he had massive issues closing out every single match. Uh, I'm talking about the first three because the fourth one he couldn't really, you know, he didn't have a chance at closing it out. Uh, and, and definitely wasn't as good as in Bratislava. Maybe it's also, you know, like like for many players of late, we saw that when they secure that top 100 spot, uh, when they secure the Australian Open, they sort of tend to dip in motivation. Uh, Mike Shag, Zhizhen Zhang, I think as well. Uh, we've seen it for a lot of players. And I don't think Pujovic was ever playing as well as in Bratislava here. It was more the, the Pujovic from the Pokorny match than, <laughs> than anything else. 
Yeah, still, I mean, pretty huge when it comes to the rankings. It, it solidifies him within the top 100 up to 87. So even those 30 points moved him up 11 spots, which is, which I'm, I'm sure that he's, I don't know about satisfied because it was a pretty disappointing loss. Um, but, you know, he, he, he got what he needed, I think, out of this week. We also had a more surprising semifinalist in Vitaly Sachko, uh, who defeated Lazarov from a set down, uh, got a retirement from Yelas Cells after just three games. Uh, took out Tomasz Machac after Machac secured a top 100 debut, I think. Yep. Uh, he's a number uh, 98. So, uh, yeah, Machac sort of got it and then dipped. Um, his first challenger semifinal this season. What are your thoughts on Sachko here? I think, as it turns out, even Machac's win over Koboli would have been enough. So, he didn't even need the, the Stina uh, walkover. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Sachko, of course, made two, two challenger finals last year. I still think that. You know, there, there's gonna be more coming. Uh, I think it's just probably too good to for for them not to over the course of his career. But yeah, it it, it hasn't been a great season. Definitely not three uh, quarterfinals, if I'm counting right, before this. Uh, so so that, so his best run of the year, and yeah, of course he's a capable player, especially when his uh, returning style pays off because he just takes everything big. And and yeah, big win over Mahaj for him. But Riedi was just yeah, Riedi was just too good this fortnight. And yeah, can't really blame him for that loss, of course. And is he? Uh, yeah, he would have to like win Maya probably to make Australian Open qualies. So it's it's next to impossible. Yeah, I think he's uh, two eighty, which is still pretty good. I think he was outside the top three hundred coming into this event. Uh, so yeah, definitely some some big some big points for him here, and he's dropping yeah, some points as well. So yeah, only a title in Maya would be enough for him. Uh, over in the doubles, we have Cash and Patton win once again the number one team on the Challenger circuit this season, their ninth Challenger title. Uh, this time meeting Forti and Serafini. Yeah, and I have to say that this is a record, um, you know, for most Challenger doubles titles in a single oh. season as a pair. Uh, it was actually a record already, but they were uh, like holding it joint with uh, Sanchai and Sanchai of course, uh, from 2012 with eight titles. And now at nine, it, it is a record as a pair in a single season. And they are still playing Maya, I think, or at least were signed up. Are they? Yeah, they are playing Maya. They're, they're a little crazy, honestly. Like it doesn't even improve their ranking that much, but. Yeah, why not? If if they're feeling all right, uh, they've uh, yeah. This is this is uh, they've already played seventy one matches as a pair this season, and are sixty one and ten with nine challenger titles, thirteen titles as a whole because it's been uh, they they've also won four ITF twenty five Ks and yeah, and they only started playing together in April, so until April they're not defending like next to anything. Uh, they actually are on a, on like similar ranking spots, I think, as Glasspool and Heliovara were finishing their 2021 season, which would be very funny if Cash and Patton were also able to make the ATP finals uh, the year after. But, you know, of course, it's a long shot, but we still expect that they will do something on the major next year, that it's it's definitely going to be some some sort of a breakthrough, even if maybe not, not as huge as for Lloyd and Harry. Or, I mean... Would it really shock you? I don't know. It's it, it's possible. I was about to say this. I feel like they could sort of emulate Glasgow and Heliovara. Yeah. Obviously, the main is is different, but ultimately, with with the format that doubles plays, no ad, it's a tiebreaker. It's it's a bit of a crapshoot. It's 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 also about luck. 
uh, and yep. putting yourself in a situation to succeed. But they've definitely put themselves in a situation to succeed. Both ranked inside the top 80 now. Uh, I'm really excited to see how they sort of stack up against men to men to our position. Yeah, double, doubles 250s tend to have some completely random finalists or winners from time to time. And like it would be very surprising for me if Kashan Patton didn't threaten at least to win a, an ATP title next year. Because, you know, all, yeah, all 250s sometimes you just get players like, I don't know. Two, two random singles pairing up. And yeah, as you said, no, it's scoring four matches, super tiebreakers. The same on the Challenger Tour, right? Even on the Challenger Tour, you know, this week we had 40 and Serafini in the final and actually taking a set of cash button. Yeah. We can move over to Yokaichi, where we had a bit of a deja vu in the final. Yosuke Watanuki over Federico Ferreira Silva, just like last week. This time, much less competitive, 6-2-6-2 for Watanuki, much more dominant. His third challenger title, first one outside of Kobe. Obviously, last week we had the final stat of 60% of his finals were in Kobe, now it's down to just 50. Uh, but back-to-back titles either way for, for Watanuki, huge, without dropping a set here. Uh, started with beating Kolach, uh, then got a late retirement, uh, 4-1 in the second set uh, against Zhukayev. Yunxiong Chong then retired 2-6, uh, 2-5 down, so, so two very late retirements there. Beat Duckworth in the straight, in the straight sets as well. Up 28 spots, number 145. What did you think about Tanuki this week? Yeah, of course, you can very easily just, you know, come in and say that you know, he's doing it in Japanese challengers, that the competition is much weaker. Yes, but then again, he scored a number of quality wins in the in the Japanese swing. Um, mostly, of course, talking of O'Connell, of uh, Duckworth, but even even the other guys he's beaten. Uh, definitely a, a more talented player than what he's been showing in most of 2022. Uh, but still, you know, to to get on this sort of around 13 and two in Japan, I think 14 and 14 and two, right? Yeah, 14 and two with only that. O'Connell lost in the final at Yokohama and uh, lost to Jason Chung in Matsuyama, but that was, you know, coming off a final. Now he, now he's won two, two weeks in a row and no sets lost even, uh, plays such, e- even though it wasn't indoors, he was able to just keep playing. That's balls to the wall, uh, ultra aggressive tennis and yeah, just destroyed Ferreira Silva in the final this time. Uh, constantly rushed the ground strokes didn't allow him for anything and uh, yeah it worked out even but even better for him than in Kobe which was supposed to be like his event right and now I guess we need to accept Watanuki as as not only a Kobe specialist and yeah it, it makes total sense I would love to see him do it on in in European challengers as well uh, you know have some sort of a top 100 push because he definitely has a, a very fun game yeah, and it, it, he moves into his new career high ranking, as I said, it's 145, and it's already his uh, best win tally of his career, 40 wins uh, that he's gotten this season. As for our finalist, Frederico Ferreira Silva, uh, it was for him, of course, back-to-back finals, third challenger final of his career without any titles. Uh, his run was, uh, I would say, easier, but, but, but struggled more as well compared to Watanuki, uh, when the three sets with Su. Three sets with Mochizuki, three sets with Sinclair uh, in the in the quarterfinals. Beat Uchida though in straight sets, six to six two. Moves up forty spots, number two hundred and four in the rankings. What did you think of Ferreira Silva here? Yeah, third final. Uh, of course, he played Watanuki again. 
this time got completely demolished, but you know, the conditions are much more natural for Watanuki, so I don't think he can really be super disappointed about it, especially as he's secured his place in the Australian Open qualifying, which was probably why he played the Japanese swing in the first place. Turned out to be a great decision. Uh, I hope he will get that challenger title at some point, but uh, yeah, just, just, um, I wouldn't even say against Watanuki he had his chances because in the, in the latter, in the last, uh, in Kobe, I mean, uh, because in the last two sets, he was like not doing much on return today, uh, today, uh, yesterday, I think, uh, compared to when we were recording this, he just, yeah, he, he just got blown off the court. Not much he could do there, but definitely huge for him ranking wise. And as you said, the draw was significantly easier. Uh, but it makes sense that it was more eventful for him because, well, he's not. It's it's pretty hard to say actually where, like where he plays his best. He he is good both on hard courts and clay courts, but probably likes it when it's slightly slower than it was in in uh, Yokaichi this week. Yeah, as for semifinalists, we had Kaichi Uchida who defeated Kuneshvaran in 6-3 in the third, beat Hazava, beat Shimabukuro 7-5 in the third for its second challenger semifinal of the season. Any thoughts? That's just his second semifinal of the season. That's very interesting. Yeah, so other than the other than the Oairash uh, <laughs> title, he, he hasn't done much, uh, apparently. But yeah, 160 in the rankings, Kaichi Uchida, that, that, that still gets... That's still pretty weird, but soon enough he's gonna drop the the points from Rio de Janeiro, right? In 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 December, mm-hmm. so that 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 will be a pretty big hit. Yeah, I don't know. I I just don't think I ever considered Uchida a threat to to win this title. Just in recent weeks, he hasn't really done that much. Even though there were some good moments for sure, uh, like the the, the quarterfinals losses to to Wu and Watanuki, of course, both players who are in form. Um, in the in these in these events, and yeah, I I was I was definitely surprised to see him lose just you know six to six to to Fareda Silva, because it seemed that if so, if someone will, uh, well, actually in both matches there was a there was a very big chance that we won't get that Watanuki Fareda Silva, uh, repeat. You know, Fareda Silva was playing Uchida, and Watanuki was playing Duckworth. Both had really tough opponents, and yeah. And Uchida just lost six to six to 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 Ferreira Silva, which has to be a bit of a disappointment. I remember predicting that Gunesvaran uh, was going to beat him on on last week's episode. So yeah, that didn't pan out. Yeah, so Uchida, his only semifinal was that uh, Oerash title. He made I think five other quarterfinals though. Mm. But yeah, just first semi since then. Uh, our other semifinalist was James Duckworth beating Ochi, uh, Giano, and Ionel. Uh, both of them from coming from a, a set-down, both of the Romanians there, his fourth challenge semifinal of the season. What did you think of Duckworth this week? Yeah, he was my pick. Uh, that was mostly because, well, even though he lost to Hazawa and Mukund in, in previous weeks, the draw was pretty nice for him. Of course, usually he's a, a player that you know has more quality than the rest of the field here. And I can't really be angry about how it turned out. Uh, I didn't know that Yokaishi was going to be this fast. Like he just uh, was very much struggling, you know, for just trying to get to balls that Watanuki threw at him. It, it was it, it was a bit of a, a rough one for him because there was a lot of scrambling around the court. And 
you know that that perhaps that's actually something he isn't that bad at. Uh, but you know, still, it, w- it was really Watanuki who had the upper hand in this one, and uh, yeah, won it very deserved. Uh, yeah, deserved to win definitely. So that's that's why we ended the the week as uh, you know without any points, even though I had two semifinalists and you had one. Yeah, my my pick in Yokoichi Mark Pomans didn't make it into the main draw, unfortunately. But he retired, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, retired after eight games against Saito. Um, yeah, so, so, so in, the, in the winners' competition, I can only tie now. Only if I get both of the both of the champions in my Emas Pulamas, and you get nobody. Uh, so yeah, um, over in the doubles, Su and Shimizu won their first challenger title together after two previous ITF titles. Uh, they defeated Imamura and Noguchi. Right, we go to match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? I'm looking at the upsets, but I don't know. I see that the highest scores for like the bookies are um, probably uh, yeah Zekic over Lajovic. Mm. I mean, Lajovic has been a little cons- uh, pretty consistent when he actually played the 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 Challenger Tour this year. But then again, I don't really buy it. And also Sachko over Mahaj, yeah, not really. So I'm, I think I'm gonna have to go for Otegui. And probably Otegui beating Dekamps rather than Fikovic, although both, I, I could really name both here. Uh, I don't think that either is, I, I, I think either was very unexpected. I considered Fikovic and Dekamps both uh, as players who could actually have a deep run here. Uh, and yeah, and even if after one of these matches, I could think that maybe, you know, maybe Otegui is actually gonna do something on hard courts. Maybe he can actually play, and then Androtti loses two games against him. So yeah, I think for both Fikovic and Dekamps, these were very disappointing losses. And yeah, I see that a high score is also lock over Gestaverna, but on hard courts, that's just plain stupid to me. So yeah, definitely Otegui. Yeah, just choose a match. Uh, either that comes or Fikovic. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna take Sachko over over Mahaj as okay. my episode of the week. Uh, for Sachko, his best win by far this season, I think. I'm looking at it. He 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 beat Miller and in, in Lille. He beat Zizubergs in Australian Open qualifying. But I feel like this this was the this was the best one by far. For Mahaj, he he got what he needed, of course, of course, uh, but still a, a disappointing performance to just to win seven games against Sachko. Uh, when Sachko has been playing like this, this um, with the level that he's been playing this season, match of the week. Who do you have? Um, yeah, maybe I'm gonna go with Fujovic over Tervalia. Uh, yeah, had a lot of fun watching this one. Uh, I, you know, Stefano ended up coming up coming up short, but. I hope that next year he can actually, you know, return to his best. Uh, I think he's got a good chance of doing it if he stays healthy. Definitely has been playing at a slightly better level in the past couple of weeks than even his results would suggest. Just running into some tough opponents like Mahaj in Bratislava, of course, in the second round here, Fuchovic, Kukushkin in, in round one. And, you know, theoretically, this isn't his best surface. Although I think, um, yeah, I, I think he's clay sort of um, the dominance of clay in his results is probably more uh, about his scheduling than actually not being able to play on other surfaces. But yeah, just uh, hoping that next year will be much smoother for him and that he's going to return to where he was because he's certainly a very fun player. And yeah, Fuchovic Travalia did not, you know, it has the feel of an ATP tour match, right? 
the the mm-hmm. both guys were were still there just a year ago but you know have had tough seasons of course Fujovic is, has returned to the top 100 and Travalia is at 312 yeah it's it's tough situation for Travalia now out of the top 300 uh but yeah I, I also hope that he keeps trying keeps failing uh because he, he's shown us in these recent weeks shown us in Bratislava as well that that he can still play uh for sure uh, I went with Riedi over Gaston uh, in their in their first round match. Uh, I thought I thought it was an interesting one. Riedi closing it out in two tie breaks, uh, saving I think four set points, five six down in the second set on serve. Uh, I think he was fifteen forty down. It was a loose a long deuce game. Um, then yeah, got through that, got through the tiebreaker as well. Gaston, I don't think he played quite his best or anything, but uh, I think I think an impressive win for for Riedi. And we can go over to our predictions. Uh, we have Maya, we have Mas Palomas closing out on these two clay events uh, to, to finish the season. Let's start in Maya, where we have Nuno Borges as a top seed uh, playing a qualifier. Could face Alexi Krutich in the second round, which would be pretty interesting in Krutich's current form. Uh, Krutich plays Pedro Souza first. Also in the section, Bonatio plays Alvarez Barona, and the winner could face Fabio Coelho or a qualifier. Blancano plays Nerman Fatic, could then face Vitali Sachko or Jan Chojinski. Uh, Timo Fiskato plays Yonel and then Dominguez or Qualifier. Third section, we have an interesting first round match between Elias Imer and Luca Van Asch. Winner plays Genesi or Qualifier. That Deli also in here playing Gakov. Uh, final qualifying, uh, not final qualifying, uh, <laughs> final section. Rodionov plays Deni Kolarz, who's back from his. Uh, exploits in Asia, which didn't really work out for him. Uh, tough for, tough uh, draw as well. Uh, Rodinov couldn't face Milojevic or Oliveira. Vukic is here playing Louis Vessels and then one of two qualifiers. In the qualifying, we have Lazarov. Karlovski plays Deschepper. Uh, Yevsev and Istomin face off. Kolinon is probably someone who could make an impact if he qualifies. Uh, no Kristen here as well. Over in the doubles, Borja de Cabral are the top seeds, which is pretty exciting. We also have Cash and Patton, so we could have this meeting of the Titans uh, in the in the in, in the final if they both get there. Uh, some other interesting teams with Chevetsky uh, playing with Neukrist, uh, Kubo and Valkov are here as well. Istomin um, and Karlovsky. I don't know. Back to the singles. Who are you picking for the title? Oh wow, Artyom Dabrian as well, uh, the Polish. I mean, he. I think he started playing for Poland like recently, and he's playing Oliveira. I was not expecting to see another Polish flag in there. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I would love to see that Borges Cabral Kaspat in final. I mean, this would be a perfect way to end the season. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't be exactly the end because, of course, it would be on Saturday. Uh, Northern Sunday, although I imagine that would probably be like yeah, you know, de- depends on the scheduling. If, if if that would be the last doubles challenger match of the season, because well, they could play the doubles final before the semis or after the semis, of course. Anyway, um, yeah, let's think about it. I do have, as you said, I mean, you can only tie it, and only if you get two out of two, which is yes. unlikely, uh, considering that I think in like in the past three months you gained like one or two points. <laughs> but it's possible. <laughs> but that, 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 that's the case, right? Oh my god! I, I think that, I, I, I think that was I think that was the case, though, right? 
I'm not saying it. We, we, we. I got, I got, I got Maria, so we could go. I got what else? I got, I got, I got Gaston on uh, Okono and Yokohama. I, I got more than one or two in the past. Uh, okay, three yeah, but there was there was a bit of a streak like that where I gained like yeah. 10, 10, point, ten points and you got one. Yeah, there was a considerable dry spell uh, between yeah. week thirty eight and week forty four. I broke it. So yeah, yeah that, 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 that's that's what I had in mind basically. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just as unlikely to get two out of two. Just 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 to be clear, uh, I'm not saying you are you are more unlikely. Uh, and you know, this gives me the chance to go for some peaks that are maybe a little crazier. Uh, last year I was so you know down by so many points by the time we hit the last week that I was actually peaking like Calvin Emery, uh, and but. I'm not. I don't really see any fun peaks in Maya, honestly. Like, I'm not really sure what to what to go for, because I don't see any. Like, I I know I've picked Ricardo Bonadio a few times, but he's playing Alvarez Verona in the opening round, and I don't like that. Um, I guess if I want to go for something that's maybe not wild at all, but just a little, a little uh, less, uh, more exciting than usual, I'm gonna go with Timofey Skatov. Why not? Uh, I'm not sure if the you know indoor conditions in Maya will suit him that much. Uh, he hasn't played that well in recent weeks as well. Lost to Andreev in the opening round in Valencia, which is not a bad loss. Uh, but you know, I don't want to go Nuno Borges because that's probably what, what I would end up with if I was speaking like ultra seriously. I want to do something like slightly weaker, but still with a good chance of. Of winning, and I think Timofey Skatov, if he if he comes through that pretty tough opening round against Yonel, who I think is coming from over from Asia, so could be a bit tired. Uh, yeah, I think Timofey Skatov has a very serious chance of going deep in this event because the, uh, yeah, I just like his quarter. Hoinski could be good, and in in these conditions, I think in their hard courts, uh, in their inner clay, in their clay courts, uh, that's how they finished the final in Rio, I think. I mean, it, it, or the, the tournament that he won, and then they went over to Rio, I think, to finish it. Uh, yeah. But it was just two games, so <laughs> it wasn't much of a clay indoor event. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, picking Skatov. Skatov, Skatov is fine. I, I wasn't really going to pick Skatov. Um, I'm looking, you know, Jeffrey Blancano, obviously defending champion, did very well here last season, beating Borges and Seng back to back. Uh, Elias Imer could be interesting. He's he's decent on clay courts, but um, hasn't played for for a month, and only played on indoor hard before that. So, despite his last week being a bit disappointing, I will go with Nuno Borges. Uh, I think it was second round to Pellegrino. He made the semis here last time, only lost to Blancano. Um, his drop, I I I, I don't love it, um, but he should be the best player in here. So yeah, Borges. Here we go. Yeah, I think that's what you need to do. Like, if you if you want to have a chance at tying, I think you need to that's go Borges here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we go over to Mas Palomas. Um, we have Dusan Lajovic as the top seed. Uh, plays a qualifier, and then Robin Hasse or another qualifier. Adrian Andreev is also in a section as well as Iñaki Cabrera Bello. Bello, sorry. Dragos Nikolai Mataras as well. Uh, Shevchenko is here playing Morokanas. Could then play Pablo Yamas Ruiz or Daniel Michalski. Uh, Zekic is here playing Neumayer. Could play Durasovic or Justino then. 
Kopšiva plays Baranko Costano, put Fisti Mostoder qualifier. Svrčina is here after giving a walkover last week, plays uh, Hats. And then Sanchez Izquierdo or Roca Tataya. Hanfman is here playing Lavagno. Uh, he then faces, uh, or, or could face Vachero or Steven Diaz. Copian's uh, here as well, facing Tituan Doge, and then one of two qualifiers. Uh, in the qualifying, we have Molaker, Chepeliev, uh, Eshargi, Gianmarco Moroni. I don't know, a couple of names there. Uh, in the doubles, we have the Saban of Brothers as the top seats, uh, facing Turasovic and, and uh, Hetz. Kopšiva plays, but not with Paul Spichel, with Svacina this time around. Um, we also have Evan King and Rhys Stolder. Niklas Salmin and, uh, oh, that's interesting, Durasovic and Niklas Salmin are both here, but they are not playing together. Niklas Salmin is playing with Stevens. Uh, uh, Bortolotti and Matos Gordon is here as well. Um, back to the singles, though. Who are you picking for the title? That's a stupid decision for Durasovic because, as as we've established by now, he needs to play with a Finn to win titles in yeah, doubles. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, maybe he should try some other things, but I don't know. Erovasa uh, has been playing some challengers lately. Anyway, um, I, I do have to mention Timo Stoder, even though I don't think I'm picking him. But since the beginning of October, he went on a fantastic run in ITFs 23 and 4, uh, made five finals, won two titles, only lost to Michalski, Morokanias, uh, Vice, and Kuzuhara. So basically, no. Uh, no but losses in there uh, was on a 14 match win streak at some point I, I am thinking sort of about picking him but that's too much I think I, I don't want to give you that much of a chance to to tie it uh, because I don't think Timo Stoddard is winning this event I just don't think it's that possible in this section maybe if he was in some other one I would consider it I don't know uh, of course, I could also just snap big Daniel Michalski. It's possible uh, that, that like, it would be a good choice for me because, you know, um, I would have fun with it. But I I don't know. I just don't think so. Uh, he lost to Moroni like pretty tamely last week. And uh, yeah, even though this is his last chance for Australian Open qualifying, I'm not a big fan of the draw. That's for sure. Yamas Ruiz and then Shevchenko or Morokanias potentially. Uh, so I don't think we'll be seeing Australian Open uh, him in Australian Open qualifying. Probably, I think he might have missed his chance. Uh, although we'll be rooting for him to do it. Kopeyans playing Drogen, maybe Kopeyans is an option. I think he used to used to play pretty well in like these end of season clay challengers, uh, Kopshiva. But I am going with Shevchenko. Uh, it, it's not too off the board. Maybe you were about to pick him. I don't know. Uh, but I, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably know that I am a big Alexander Shevchenko fan. And yeah, that's just gonna, I'm gonna have fun with this pick, and that's why I'm, I'm going for it. And he's probably one of the best uh, players in the draw. Yeah, uh, I, I just have to go back to the doubles for a second. I completely miss mm -hmm. David Vega. Hernandez is here. Uh, playing alongside Baron Cocosano, they got Hernandez, uh, obviously number 31 now in doubles, four ATP titles, three uh, challenger titles that he's had, most of them alongside Rafael Matos. Uh, so he's going to be interesting, sort of coming back down to the challengers after a long while. I don't think he's played one since Bordeaux in May. 
and they're not even seeded because Bayern Kokosano is at 594 in doubles. Pretty wild. Uh, yeah, over in the singles, who am I picking here to save me? I'm a little bit tempted by by Hanfpan, although he did spend. I, I actually wait. Yeah, because he was nominated for Davis Cup, so he, so he was preparing on indoor hardcore. Um, but actually, they went up pretty early, didn't they? Um, so this might be an interesting. Yeah, they lost to Canada um, first match, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm talking myself into it. There's nobody else that really stands out to me very much. Lajovic after his loss last week, I don't really want to pick him here. So yeah, Yannick Hanfman. Let's let's go with him. Yeah, so if Hanfman and Borges win uh their respective titles this week, Jakub is gonna tie me in the competition. If not, then I win. If Shevchenko and Skatov win, then I'm gonna be uh four points up but yeah that's 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 probably not possible but still it's been a fun closer race than uh last year uh we'll mm-hmm. see how it ends uh next time and next time we're gonna be back f- with a pretty short episode that's just gonna contain us talking about mas palomas and maya uh then uh you can expect some um you know season review content in during the time where we won't have uh, the ATP Challenger Tour, uh, which is a very sad month for all Challenger fans. Uh, you know, maybe some ITF events will be streamed. We'll see. Uh, perhaps there's some uh, league competitions, but otherwise it's going to be a pretty dry run uh, of professional tennis. Um, yeah, but it will end very soon. And soon you're going to have more Challenger events than ever, of course, because in 2023, there are apparently 195 of them coming if uh, what the ATP said uh, holds up. Uh, anyway, thanks for this week. Yeah, And see you when we talk about Mas Palomas and Maya. Bye.